example uh, of the question that I want to look at is found in Exodus 4. So it's a a story I'm sure many of you will uh, be familiar with. It's Moses uh, and the burning bush. And so the Israelites have been captive in Egypt for a long time. And Moses at this point in his life uh, has left Egypt uh, and is working as a shepherd in Midian. And he comes across a bush that appears to be on fire, but it's, it's not burning up. So he kind of goes over and goes, I need to, you know, check this out and investigate. And there he encounters God speaking to him through the bush. And God tells him that he is going to send him back to Egypt and he's going to set the Israelites free. And that's where we pick up here in Exodus uh, chapter 4. And Moses answered, But what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Now you can see from that first little bit, you know, Moses is feeling a little inadequate for what God is asking of him. You know, it's a pretty big thing that, God, that God's told to him. You know, and he's not feeling prepared. And in response to all of his doubts and his questioning, God asks him, well, what's in your hand, Moses? In other words, what do you have? And he lays down his staff, and it goes from being a dead piece of wood to alive. You know, it turns into a snake, and it becomes a powerful sign that God is going to use to accomplish his plans for Israel. And it's, it's not like Moses had forgotten that he had a staff in his hand. You know, when working with the sheep, uh, he, would, he would have always carried his staff. You know, it was a great tool for shepherding. You know, he was able to assist himself uh, with walking and balance, Uh, He was able to use it to guide and prompt the sheep, and he could even use it for protection uh, if the need arose. But when God asked something else of him, outside of his ordinary, you know, he couldn't see how what he already had at his disposal could be useful or sufficient to accomplish what God asked. So in response to, you know, those doubts, God says to him, like, "I I hear your concerns about what you lack, but what do you have? And ask him to lay that down. And that's what he uses. Another instance where we we find this question about what do you have uh, is in uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. 
She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. You know, again, we see this response given, this time it was through the prophet Elisha, uh, of what do you have in your house? You know, and the, the widow is probably like, did you not just hear me say, like, what a dire situation I am in? Like, creditors are coming, and they are resorting to taking my sons because I have nothing of value. Like, I've just told you I literally have nothing, and your response to me is, what do you have? And she starts to reply like that. She says, nothing at all. Well, except, you know, a, a small jar of oil. And that's when she is told to take what she has And we see this being used in a miraculous way, which means she is then able to rescue herself and her sons from debt. You know, similar to Moses, the the widow had some pretty major concerns about what she didn't have. And rightly so, you know, one small jar of olive oil is not a lot. But again, we see God use what she has in a miraculous way. And the final story I want to look at today uh, is another one which I'm sure many of you will have heard before from the New Testament, which is the feeding of the 5,000. And the account's actually found in all four of the Gospels, but I'm going to read it today from Mark. It says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. You know, I I love this story. And I can picture the scene so well because it's getting late and the people are hungry, which I also imagine sort of results in everyone just being a little scratchy um, as well. And the disciples very reasonably, um, I'm sure, suggest to Jesus that it's probably time to wrap it up. You know, send the people off, they can go and eat, the disciples can go and eat, and let's kind of call it a day. But Jesus asked them instead to to feed the crowd. And they kind of do the mass, and they go, Jesus, you cannot be serious. You know, we don't have that kind of, those kinds of resources. You know, we certainly don't have enough bread just here, and that would take half a year's wages. You know, that's an exorbitant amount of money. But he stops them with, well, what do you have? You know, and and they bring what they do have, which is five loaves and two fish. And Jesus miraculously makes that stretch so that everyone is able to eat and be satisfied. You know, just like Moses and the widow and even the disciples, 
I think sometimes we disqualify or discredit ourselves because we don't think that we have enough. You know, we say to God, I couldn't do that. How could I do that? We don't think that uh, what we have is useful or sufficient enough. It's not going to stretch. How could I possibly use that? How is that going to accomplish what you've asked me to do? You know, we don't think that we have the resources or the talent uh, to be able to, or the support even, to be able to do what God is asking of us. And, you know, in, in all honesty, we're probably right. You know, on its own, I'm sure Moses' staff would not have done a great job of convincing people that he had heard from God, that he, um, he wouldn't have been much help against the might of Egypt in freeing the entire nation of Israel. It was just a stick. You know, and I, I doubt that the, the widow's small jar of olive oil would have impressed her creditors enough for them to go, oh, that's all right, we'll just write that debt off. I won't take your sons, you know, for lifelong servanthood. You know, I don't think they would have uh, seen what she had and chosen to forgive her debts. And I can only imagine what a teeny tiny mouthful everybody would have got if they really only were working with five loaves and two fish. You know, on, on their own, they weren't enough, you know, but God. You see, our God is sufficient, and what we have may not be enough, but it is enough for him. You know, he is able to take what we do have, and when we offer it to him, he is able to take it and accomplish miraculous things, the things that he asks us for. You know, and I think today God is continuing to ask of us, what do you have? You know, what resources do you have access to? What talents do you have? What influence do you have? Where are you placed? What are the people around you? What do you have at your disposal? And sometimes you may look around and go, it may not seem like much. You know, like the widow, I don't have anything at all. But actually, if you really stop to think about it, you might be able to find that, except, except that small jar of olive oil, except that relationship with that person, except that resource, no matter how small it might seem or how insignificant, except that talent that I have, or except that um, you know, affinity for a certain thing. And it may not seem like much, but a little goes a long way in the hands of the Almighty. You know, and as I was thinking and preparing this message for this week, I was reminded that today is actually the first Sunday of Advent uh, in the Christian calendar. And Advent is the, the period uh, leading up to Christmas, which people all over the world uh, use to prepare for the Christmas season. It's traditionally four Sundays long, uh, and it's a time when people are encouraged to, to take a break from the busy season, to make sure that as we're heading into this Christmas season, that they have the time to prepare their hearts to, to slow down and to stop and to think and acknowledge about the significance of what Christmas and the Christmas story actually means means for us as uh, Christians. And traditionally, the first Sunday of Advent gives us the opportunity to centre our thoughts on hope. You know, it's a beautiful chance to remember that uh, the hope that God offers to our lost and dying world that he's given us through Jesus. Galatians chapter 4, verse uh, 4 to 8 says, But when the right time came, God sent his Son 
born of a woman subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. You know, when we're thinking about uh, how to carry hope in a world that seems pretty uh, hopeless, my goodness, there's a lot of hope filled uh, in that scripture. You know, that Paul articulates really beautifully, you know, the, the great hope, and that's what we're celebrating at Christmas. You know, that without God's intervention, we were all slaves, you know, bound up by our sin and that, and that sinful nature, you know, hopelessly headed towards doom to the grave. But because of God's great love for us, he came down and he rescued humanity by sending his son as a sacrifice for our sin, you know, so that we get to live in that freedom, so we get to be free from the chains of sin and become fully part of God's eternal family. You know, if that doesn't fill you with hope, my goodness, you know, what hope we have. And uh, it just made me think, you know, if nothing else this morning, I hope that if you got asked the question, what do you have, that you would be able to answer, I have hope because of Jesus. You know, and if, if you've never called on the name of Jesus and accepted the forgiveness and the freedom that he, he freely offers, well, then I pray that this might be the Christmas season where you do discover that for yourself. When you take the time to, um, to read the story of, of the, the helpless babe that came who was fully God, fully man, that God sent with this incredible plan to ensure that all people would have the chance to be with him forever, to be able to live in that freedom. That would, they would find forgiveness from their sins, that they would find freedom. And so when we are asked that uh, question, what do you have, that at the very least we would be able to say, I have hope. You know, and God is able to then use that. You know, it might not seem like much, but my goodness, what a gift to be able to offer others this season, you know, to be able to offer to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family, those who don't have that. I mean, is, is there a better gift that we could give them? If we are willing to go, this is what I have here, let me give it over for God's purposes, you know? He will set up opportunities for you to be able to share that with others. We just need to be willing. Can I actually get the band back up here? You know, this morning, uh, I really want to invite you to respond to that question. You know, what do I have? And also, what is God asking me to do with it? You know, because it's the, it's the two part, all of those stories. There was something that that person was trying to accomplish. You know, God had asked Moses to, um, to go and to free an entire nation. Uh, the widow was, was asking how to save her, her family. Uh, the disciples were saying, how are we supposed to feed these people? There's always something that they were trying to accomplish. And then they needed the resources to be able to do it. And uh, this is the thing, is, is God doesn't set us up in helpless situations and hopeless situations. If he's asking you to do something, he's also going to resource and equip you to do it. 
but he might be asking you in the monk set, what do you have? What's your starting point? What can you lay down for me to pick up and use and multiply and uh, show my uh, might through? You know, so I would encourage you this morning to spend some time sitting with God, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to ask, what is it that you have? And let me show you what I'm going to do with it, if you are willing to surrender it to me. You know, because the same God who turned the staff into the snake and performed wonders throughout Egypt, you know, the same God who used one small jar of olive oil uh, to rescue a family and who made five loaves and two fish enough to feed 5,000, you know, that is the same God who is calling you today. You know, he is the same and he still has the same power. You know, we may not feel like what we have is particularly useful. We might go, look, you know, it's great for shepherding, but it's not great for rescuing nations. You know, we might not think that what we have is sufficient. You know, it's a little jar of oil. It might make my family a loaf of bread, but it's not going to be enough to pay off the debts of our family. You know, but in the hands of our creator and our saviour, we can only imagine what he will accomplish. He says this, you know, he says that we, we can't even imagine all of the things which he is able to do. And in amongst all of that, let us not forget the hope which God provides, you know, and be willing to share that. If nothing else, we have hope because of Jesus. You know, in this Christmas season, I pray that that hope would rise up in your spirits in a really tangible and life-giving way that you are then able to go out and share with others. You know, because uh, that, that hope is not designed to stay just internally within ourselves. It is something that, uh, you know, the heart of God desires that all men would have, that all men would be able to uh, lift their eyes to call on the name of Jesus and be saved. And we have a part that we're able to play in that if we are only willing to say, this is what I have and offer it up to God and allow him to use it. I wonder if you're able, if you'd stand with me and pray. And then we're going to go uh, into a time of worship. And like I said, I, I pray that um, you would really use this time to, to be speaking with um, God about this. Lord, we are so thankful that you are enough. God, that you are sufficient, that your grace is enough. Uh, Lord, that uh, no matter what it is that we have to offer, you meet us where we are and you take what we have and you are able to use it in extraordinary ways to accomplish your purpose. And God, we are so thankful for the hope that we carry because of Jesus. Lord, and as we, uh, this time of year, we again uh, specifically remember that story of Christmas of when Jesus came down to earth to, to start this amazing plan you had. Lord, I just pray that that would come alive in our hearts again, that we would once again uh, capture the hope that you have for us, that we would, uh, it would come alive in a new and uh, tangible way for us. Holy Spirit, I just ask that as we seek you this morning, that you would speak clearly, Lord, that you would uh, remind us what it is that we have, uh, and uh, that you would uh, uh, give clear instruction on how you would have us use that for you. Lord, we stand before you and we say we are willing. 
we will lay down what it is that we have, Lord, our resources, our influence, our our talents, our time, uh, whatever it is that you are asking, Lord. We, we say that we are here and we have open hands. We are willing to give it to you and we ask that you would use it, that your will would be done. And Lord, that uh, this message of hope would spread throughout our community, throughout our families, throughout our workplaces, uh, that this would be a season that there is so much joy in our spaces because people have discovered the hope of Jesus. And so, Lord, we just say, have your way in us. Again this morning, amen.